How is everybody today? Good. It's good to see you all today. Uh, so um, I'm going to give you a warning. I have a joke. Some of you aren't going to like it. In fact, most of you aren't going to like it. So I'm just telling you now so that if you don't want to listen, you can go onto your phone or do something else, okay? So here we go. One day, a man drove by a farm and he saw a two-legged goat. Man went up to the farmer and said, excuse me, but why does that goat only have two legs? Well, said the farmer, that goat is very special. One time my wife was cooking something to, and she stepped out of the kitchen. It caught on fire. No one in the house knew about it but the goat, and he saved my wife and my two kids. That is amazing, said the man, but why does he only have two legs? Well, that goat was um, also instrumental in giving us a warning one time when there was a big storm coming. We didn't know it. The goat ran into the house, dragged us down to the storm cellar, and if it weren't for that goat, we'd all be dead. That still doesn't explain why the goat only has two legs, says the guy. Well, and I remember a time when my youngest son was stuck up in a tree, but I was too far away to hear his cries for help, so the goat ran to me and led me to where he was. Well, that is a miracle, um, but you got to tell me, why does the goat only have two legs, the man said, now getting a little bit annoyed. Well, said the farmer, with all the goat has done for us, we figured it would be a shame to eat it all at once. told you some of you wouldn't like it. More of you did than I expected, though. That was impressive. All right. Um, So for the last month, uh, we've been focused on what it means to be the church or the body of Christ. And uh, we have talked about what it means for you and me to be uh, individual parts of it. And we're going to kind of finish what has been this series Uh, today. And uh, to do so, I want to read a little bit from Acts chapter 2. And I want to invite you to grab a Bible. Um, And um, here's the deal. Um, I I love this passage, um, especially as it relates to what it is that we are about. Um, I uh, have come to know this passage as the blueprint of the church. In other words, Um, As Scripture kind of lays out what is it that the church should be doing, uh, this is the passage that I always go back to. And so um, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, and I want to begin reading at verse 37. Let me set this up a little bit. For those of you who are very new to this whole faith or church thing, uh, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They each tell the story of Jesus, including about his death on the cross and his resurrection. And then um, at the beginning of Acts, which tells the story of the early church, Jesus ascends up into heaven, and then uh, the Holy Spirit is given, and the disciples are moved to start you know, sharing Jesus with others, and a guy by the name of Peter preaches the first Christian message. And um, when he is done with this mess- his message, we're going to pick it up at verse 37. It says, Peter's words pierced all of their hearts, those who were listening. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, uh, what should we do? 
Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who came to believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. There were about 3,000 in all. So there were probably somewhere between four and 500 believers before that day. Now the church has about 3,500 people all in one place. Quite a big group. We don't have 3,500 people. So verse 42 All the believers, all of the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their numbers, uh, their fellowship, those who were being saved. You can leave that open. We're going to come back through some of that again in a little while. So when we started this series um, on the day of our 10th anniversary as a church, we talked about the spiritual transformation that God has brought into a lot of our lives, uh, specifically through the ministry of Lighthouse Church. Um, So I want to finish this little series that we've been on uh, by thanking God for some of the powerful things, some of the transformational change and some of the miracles that he has actually done in our lives. Um, for many of us, doing for us what we were not able to do for ourselves. And uh, before we have our question time, um, I just kind of wanted to mention that, that um, I think that it's pretty easy for us uh, to forget um, some of the things that literally God, uh, we, that we've needed God to do in our lives. So, for example, um, some of the, the miraculous kinds of things, some of the transformational things are as simple as, you know, if you are an alcoholic um, and you are sober today, that's a pretty big deal um, and a miracle of God, right? Um, same is true if you um, are an addict and you have a day clean. Um, that's not natural for you. Um, it's, a, it's a miraculous thing. And if you are somebody who deals with serious mental health issues and you had the courage to get up today and get here and join this community, that's remarkable. Um, for many of you, the, the power of God in your life has brought things like self-acceptance or self-love or forgiveness of yourself or others. Maybe it's healed relationships or brought physical healing or brought hope into your life or just faith in Jesus itself. Even being here in church for some of you is probably a miracle. And, uh, and so we celebrate those today and that's what our question is about. So I don't want you to be intimidate, intimidated by the question, how 
Have you experienced God's supernatural or miraculous power in your life? Sometimes it's really big things, but sometimes it's things that maybe seem more simple. And I'd love to have a few of you answer this today. How have you experienced God's you know, supernatural or miraculous power um, doing for you what you could not do for yourself? And if you'd like to answer the question, James and Flint are going to run mics today. You stand up, get their attention, speak directly in the mic. Give us a brief answer. Who'd be willing to help us get started? All right. Um, outside of my recovery, I would say going back to college and actually working and putting myself through college and finishing. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Excellent. Very cool. Who else is willing to share? Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie. Um, yeah, I kind of like Mike outside of my recovery. Um, so it doesn't need to be outside of your recovery. Yeah, but thank but, you for but, saying that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the miracle of my recovery is enough in itself. But um, I would have to say the power of forgiveness for some of the childhood traumatic things that I went through with my parents. Yeah. Excellent, Jamie. Thanks. Who else is willing to share today? Good morning. Being 12 years cancer-free after trying to ignore it for a decade. Ah, yeah. Thanks, Heather. Who's next? All right, in the back, we've got a hand up. We're making your work, Flint. We kind of have a hand up. It's partly way up. <laughs> Hi, I'm Heather. Um, eight years ago, almost to the day, I almost died um, from an infection that the doctors couldn't figure out. And I literally asked God, you know, is this it or is, this, is there more for me? And it's like I heard a voice that said there's more work to be done. And the next day, Mayo Clinic figured out what was wrong with me, and they saved my life. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else? Good morning, everybody. I'm going to keep it short today. Uh, the first time I really experienced a miracle was when um, I overdosed, and... I know I'd been more than 10 minutes before my kid's dad got there. And I, and I lived for a reason, so that is a miracle. And another time, I just, after I was in recovery, I didn't want to go to the doctor ever because I felt so looked down upon because of my labels on there. And uh, I was very sick and I didn't go in and I had a kidney stone blocking my ureter. And I ended up becoming septic. And that doctor looked at me she said, Thank God you came in because you wouldn't have lived till tomorrow. That was uh, in 2018. So oh. if God didn't make me go that day, I wouldn't have woke up the next morning for my kids. So there are miracles. Somebody this morning talked to me and she said, this is the way it should be. I said, no, I phoned God the way I phoned God. And I think that's really how it's meant to be. So I feel like God led us all here. And in and, and, and of that, that's a miracle. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Anybody got one over here for James? 
Okay, any more for Flint over here, somebody? All right. Thank you, Summer. I am Summer. Um, surviving a suicide attempt that absolutely should have made me not here today. And um, by all intents and purposes, I should be dead. So I'm very grateful that I'm alive today. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That, that takes a lot of a lot of courage. Thank you for sharing that because a lot, a lot of people here, I'm sure, can identify with that. Thank you. Yeah, Michael, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I was uh, ran over on 13th Avenue by pickup. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't his fault, really. It was my fault. I wasn't supposed to walk yet. <clears throat> and all I seen him, it was too late. And all I could do was just throw my arms up and guard my head. And I, said, I, said, I, said, I remember seeing, I don't know if I went under the truck or over, but I kept seeing daylight dark, daylight dark, like, Flashing, I uh, just remember, I don't, know if, I don't know if I did it in my mind or what, but I, just telling God that I wasn't ready, you know. I said, there's people that I can help, you know, like with the addiction or whatever, you know. I got, you know, I got, I got good things to inspire people to say in words, and as long as it's so short, he let me live, you know. And uh, I don't take life for granted no more, you know what I mean? Like, so thank you. Yeah, thanks, Michael. You are a miracle, brother. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll do Holger, and then we're going to wrap up. I appreciate everybody's uh, sharing today. Good morning, church family. The only thing that comes to my mind after that question is um, I had the opportunity to say goodbye to my grandpa. Mm. Um, I went down to Ecuador when I come from, and I got the day he passed away. And he's hostess, and he was not conscious. But before he dies, he opened his eyes, and he says that he lost me. Not just me, just everybody who was in the room, but that was a miracle for me. Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah, thanks. Um, wow, that was, that was really great. Thank you for sharing uh, today. Um, I've always been part of a church um, in my um, life. I grew up in a church. Uh, I worked in a church while I went to college. I went to seminary. Uh, the school that you would attend to become a pastor in the Lutheran denomination I grew up in. Um, and while I was going to seminary, we attended churches. Um, I've been a pastor in churches ever since, 34 years. Um, I started very young. And uh, over the years, um, honestly, I have seen the best and I've seen the worst of churches. Um, I've seen beautiful times of worship, and sometimes that were, well, to be honest, a little bit painful. Um, I've shared some good messages, and I've shared some not-so-good messages. Um, I've seen people grow in faith, and I've seen, seen many struggle with God, and some walk away. Um, I've been part of great times and fellowship that has fed my soul like nothing else, and I have seen church conflicts and battles like nothing else that I have ever seen. Um, I've seen people serve and give generously, and then I've seen lots of people struggle. Uh, many of you have heard me say before that the best part of being a pastor um, has been that I am often with people at the best times in their life and also at the worst times of their life. 
Um, I've, uh, I've met people, many people, um, especially at this place, who have been woun- wounded by churches as well, by teachings or messages or judgment, uh, by church people or by pastors, including myself. Um, I've learned to tell people that you're never going to find a perfect church um, with perfect people. And if you do, and you join it, it will no longer be perfect. No offense. Uh, The reality is, is there are no perfect people, right? And there are no perfect churches and there are no perfect pastors. Um, we, uh, we, we've been working through this group that um, we have on Wednesday nights, Thursday afternoons. You're still welcome to be part of it. It's a, it's a book and a study guide called What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. And this week, one of the questions that we had to answer and uh, discuss um, was the question, who are you envious of? And it was a very easy question for me to answer. Right away, um, I wrote down and I shared with the group that I am envious of pastors who have it all together. Now, I know that there are no pastors who have it all together. But, you know, it doesn't always feel that way. You know what I mean? You know, wherever it is you are in life, whatever it is you do, whatever it is that, you know, kind of, Find you in the midst of life with people and and family and friends. Um, it's pretty easy to compare our insides with other people's outsides, and um, you know it can make us envious. It can also help us um, stay sick sometimes. I know many of you in this church have had um, bad experiences in churches. Uh, Maybe even vowed that you would never go back, uh, but life circumstances have brought you here. Um, Early in my recovery journey, um, I was without a church home, and uh, I had uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who were in my life, and uh, they were supporting me. Um, But I wasn't in the best place spiritually, and I really didn't want to go to church. Um, You know, shame and depression are pretty powerful things, right? Um, But here's the deal. Um, I I would tell people at the time that um, we need to start going to church somewhere because my wife really needs to go to church. Um, And there was truth in that. My wife's always been very active and involved wherever we've been. Um, But I, I truly knew that I needed to go to church and that I needed to find a church home. So we started attending pretty regularly a church uh, here in our community. Um, I knew and I know the local church is the hope of the world, which is why I knew I needed to get back to church because I needed hope at that time in my life. Any, anybody ever been there? Yeah? Needing to find some hope? Yeah. And uh, as imperfect as it is, I knew that the church um, was the body of Christ. I knew that Jesus' hands and feet and mouth and arms and love uh, worked through the body of Christ. 
that the church is that entity uh, that Jesus left when he left this earth. And I knew that because I have uh, spent a lot of time studying uh, not only the whole New Testament, but especially this chapter, Acts chapter 2. And uh, it is really a profound chapter when you think about it. Um, I don't know where you are in the whole regards of, you know, who Jesus is or what your commitment to the church is or what your experience is. But I'd like you to kind of maybe wipe that clean and just hear again this incredible vision of community. So I'm going to read um, verses 42 through 47 one more time. It says, all the believers, not just some, it says all the believers, they devoted themselves, they didn't just go, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, in other words, to learning, and to fellowship. That's pretty cool. You know, those of us in recovery, we kind of learn to do this. They devoted themselves to fellowship because they knew it would help keep them alive. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we're going to celebrate today. And to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. There were miracles throughout the family. All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They took care of one another as it was appropriate. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity. Yay for food. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. New people every day. New people every day. Such an incredible rich vision of the church. Now here's something that I want you to know. Um, um, it wasn't a perfect church. Um, so, you know, it, I, I know that because I've read the rest of the New Testament most of the New Testament was written to churches to deal with their conflicts. They were having conflicts just like any other church. You know why? Because they had imperfect people in the church back then too. It's not a new thing today. And so, um, you know, they were dealing with their own stuff. And, uh, and they were human beings just like you and me. But it is a beautiful vision of community what, do you, what did we see in that? You know, we put up on the screen here a few of the things, and um, I just kind of want to point them out again, maybe have you, in, you know, think about these this coming week. I mean, they worshiped together regularly. They learned. You know, learning has always been an important part of our faith. We talked about that last week. They devoted themselves to prayer, to fellowship, you know, it was kind of their life community, like this place is for many of you. They ate together, had Holy Communion together, made sure that people's needs were met, you know, in appropriate ways. They experienced God's miraculous power in the community. They met daily, um, and they grew, grew in numbers. Now, um, I don't know, um, 
you know, if you pay attention to some of the trends in churches that's kind of going, you know, going on in the world today, um, you may know that churches nationally, uh, nationally are in serious decline in the United States of America. Uh, people are leaving the church in huge numbers. The estimates are that in the last 25 years, 40 million people have left the church. Today, statistics say that 68% of our population don't or seldom attend church. Um, 18% attend weekly. 18. I don't know how to solve that. It's not my job. Wouldn't even know how to begin. Um, But here's what I do know. I do know that we can do our best um, here at Lighthouse Church um, to be an Acts 2 church that tries to fulfill the vision, the blueprint of what the Lord puts out um, here in our community um, with the specific mission that God has given to us. And I've tried to share over this last month that um, if we're going to do that, it's going to take all of us to do that together. It's not just me. It's not just staff. Um, it's all of us because God has put a big vision in front of this congregation. And, um, you know, we can do our best and then the rest is up to God. This last month we've talked about, you know, finding ways to serve and finding ways to get involved. And I just kind of leave that challenge with you. Um, I decided that I wanted to spend just a few moments with you today um, I I thought this might be the best thing that I could share with you, Um, especially those of you who are just kind of thinking about the faith or thinking about uh, making a commitment to a church. Um, I'm going to share with you today why I go to church. And, you know, the first thought, well, you're the pastor. It's kind of essential, isn't it? Well, I could do something else. I could. Um, You know, um, the past, you know, being a pastor hasn't always been the easiest profession to pursue. Um, it's not really why I go to church or why um, I even am here. And so as I, uh, as I share these things, I hope they're helpful. I'm going to try to go through them quickly. And maybe, uh, you know, they can help you evaluate at least, you know, your own journey of church attendance, but also commitment to Christ and being part of the body of Christ. Okay, so here's number one. Um, corporate worship feeds my soul. What do I mean by corporate worship? I mean what we're doing right here. Um, I, it feeds my soul, almost like nothing else. Um, when, I, when I don't have a, a week with you um, in worship and music and, and learning and fellowship, um, something is missing. It fills my cup when I am here, here with you. Um, I've grown to love to sing praises to God and to worship Him, not only with my voice, but also with my hands and my whole body. I didn't learn that growing up. I learned in the church when I grew up that you don't really move when you're in church. You just you know, let your jaw do the singing. But um, I've learned to, that I can worship God with my whole body. It's a hard thing for somebody with no rhythm like me. Um, now, I know that I can worship God outside of here. I do. I know that there are all sorts of ways that God can be worshipped, but it's not the same for me. 
Um, corporate worship feeds my soul. Next thing I wanted to share with you, um, fellowship nurtures and encourages my soul. Um, now, I, I don't know if anybody can identify with this. I bet you can. Um, on my own and in my own head can be a scary place for me to hang out. Anybody else? Okay, a few of you anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, I just have learned, I mean, this is kind of a recovery lesson, but it's been true my whole life that, you know, that I am kind of better around people. Um, you make me better. So, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Isn't that a wonderful verse? As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens um, a friend. Turn and tell somebody, you make me better. So here's the idea. Um, we need each other. Now that's times 10 for people in this community. It's times 10 in this community. We need each other. Um, I shared last week that we have been created for a relationship. It's not just a recovery thing. It's core to our lives and our well-being as God's children. We need each other. Turn and tell somebody, I need you. Turn back and say we need each other. <laughs> All right. Next, I learn and grow in the church, and this most days keeps me grounded. All right? I learn and I grow in the church, and this keeps me grounded. Um, it said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Um, if you are um, kind of new to the faith, one of the things that you're going to discover is that faith always seeks understanding. It's kind of just core. When, when the spiritual stuff starts to happen in your life, it's going to want to know more. And I just encourage you to kind of embark on that journey of, of seeking understanding and learning the more that you can. Um, faith can become a foundation in our life. And, you know, last week we talked about how it can help us not be tossed back and forth so much by the waves of life. Now, you know, can I just say that we still will be tossed back and forth by the waves of life, but what our faith does is not only is it give us some stability, but when we're struggling, when we've gotten off track, we know where to go back to. And so um, I learn and I grow in the church, and this keeps me grounded. Now, I know I'm often the teacher here, um, but can I just say that helping, the teaching helps keep me growing as well. Um, I want to be careful in my teaching, and boy, you ask any Sunday school teacher, um, and they will tell you, oh, I learn a lot more than the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, if, you, if you've been part of the faith for a while and you want to grow deeper, get involved in leading or teaching something. Next, through the church, God has done miraculous and transformational things in my life and in the lives of my family and friends. Um, I want to be part of what he's going to do next. Um, I am uh, certain that I am sober today as an alcoholic, um, not because I finally figured it out, 
but because God has done for me what I could not do for myself. Why does he do that for some and not for others? Um, I don't know. I just encourage you to keep seeking him. But I am absolutely convinced that um, if it had been left to my own devices, I wouldn't be here today. And um, God is amazing. I also know that he can do for you what he has done for me and for many of the people around you. Can I just say that I find great joy in watching what he is doing in your life? Um, You know, and as I kind of said earlier, I think sometimes when we've been around recovery a while, we kind of lose the the awe, the the sense of wonder that, frankly, for for an alcoholic uh, to be sober today um, is a miracle of God's grace. To be an addict and to be clean today is a miracle of God's grace. To, to battle a serious mental health issue and somehow find the courage and the strength to get out of bed um, even though everything in your being was saying stay put, that's a miracle. Next, um, the message that I have received about Jesus Christ is just too good to keep to myself. I want to be part of a community that shares this message with others. You know, in order to keep it, I have to give it away, um, is what I learned in recovery. Uh, Frankly, God's love and grace is so overwhelming that I just want people to to know about it. You know, I tell you this every week. You kind of think, well, he's just trying to, you know, have me remember something, or it's just kind of a filler. No, it comes out of my own being. I tell you every week that God loves you unconditionally, that there's nothing that you can do today that's going to make him love you more than he did yesterday. There's nothing you can do today that's going to make him love you more tomorrow. His love is 100% complete right where you are, wherever you are in your journey. I want you to know that because I've experienced Experienced and discovered that myself. Yes, God blessed me and was with me and, and gave me lots of wonderful things in life. But I've also discovered that when I was in the darkest places, place of my soul, when I was in the depths of what I was going through, that God was still there walking with me. And I know that what God has given to me through his love and his grace, he can give to you as well. And so, um, you know, I just want to be a part of a church because that's where we get to talk about that a lot. Um, And I want to learn and grow and find some strength so that I can go from this place and tell others as well. Um, So just a couple more things. Um, I've learned that I'm better when I serve and when I give generously. Here's the deal, so are you. I think most of you get this. I don't need to explain it. You know, when I'm generous with my own spiritual gifts and my time and my money, um, I am who God made me to be. That's how it works. And then this one is, uh, I I had to share this with you, this last one, because um, somehow it just was what I went through when I was really in my difficult times. Um, Something in me, somewhere in me, Jesus says, get to church. You ever experience that? Like, you know, you've been away for a while, maybe not doing so well, and then like there's this little message in you that thinks, well, maybe I should go back to church. Huh? 
You know, that's this Holy Spirit in us. You know, it's Jesus in us saying, you know, I already introduced you to what it is that you need to do. Get back to church. Get back to church. That was what, what I experienced um, when I was in the midst of my difficulties. I knew that there was a place where I needed to re-engage and connect. You know, I think that it's not a coincidence that when Jesus ascends up into heaven, uh, he gives the gift of a church, the body of Christ that still lives on this earth. Jesus, his physical body goes up, and then he gives us his physical body here as the body of Christ, his hands, his feet, his mouth, his words, his arms, his love, his care. And um, in the body of Christ, um, we need each other. We need the sense of community. We need the teaching. We need to grow. We need to serve. Um, we need to know that, that we're going to be okay. We need to fellowship and encourage one another. You know, I think that, um, you know, Jesus in so many ways was so, so brilliant. I mean, um, he left us this little thing we call Holy Communion to do on a regular basis um, because, you know, he just knew that our brains kind of wrap it, ourselves around such things that, that, you know, once a month is when we practice communion here at Lighthouse and, you know, he knew that, that when we gather once in a while it would be good for us to, um, to break bread like he would with his disciples where, you know, he would invite us to take a sip to remember that his blood was shed for us that he would be present with us when we commune and when we celebrate uh, the Last Supper in such a way that his, that his love and grace and forgiveness would be offered afresh. It's offered to you today. So we remember um, words from Scripture that say, on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread he gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can take the wafer. Hear the words, the body of Christ given for you. And then after supper, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people. For the forgiveness of sin, do this in remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Thank you, my friends, for uh, worshiping with us and hanging with us today.